0: And Young Haseo, welcome to the ep- of episode 160 of the In Squash podcast. Ne Iram Jerry Gibson imnida. This is the Korean squash story episode, and I know you're going to enjoy this one. We have today Sean Oh or Oh Sung Min, his Korean name. Uh, he's currently the uh, the one of the coaches at the University of Toronto's varsity team, and also the pro at Good Life Fitness in Toronto. And uh, Sean comes on to tell us all about a place where I spent uh, over 12 years uh, in South Korea uh, and the squash scene there. It's quite unique, quite interesting, and also he indulges me uh, a fair bit in terms of uh, the fantastic time uh, that I spent there. I spent uh, a few years in Seoul where I was, uh, I managed to get uh, part time gigs to go along with my teaching position at a college there, and uh, I was teaching, uh, I was a head pro at the Grand Hyatt Seoul and the Seoul Club, which are basically uh, right next to uh, the Nam San, uh, the Nam Mountain there, which is uh, right in the sort of the heart of, I wouldn't, I'm not sure if it's the heart of the city, but it, it's a beautiful part of the city overlooking the Han River. And it was, uh, these were fantastic years for me. I got the opportunity uh, to be in Korea just when sort of squash was in very much in its infancy. And uh, I got to be able to work closely with train and coach uh, several of the national team players at that time, and uh, one of whom uh, I really uh, did a lot of uh spent a lot of time with, played a lot of squash with, had a lot of fun with. Uh, Ku ryun Wei, who has been, uh, for several years, uh, one of the Korean national team head coaches. And uh, Oh Sung-min and I talk a lot about Korean squash and uh, the uniqueness that it is and how it started, and uh, his a bit about his squash story as well. Uh, so I know you're going to enjoy this one. Episode 160 of the In Squash podcast with Oh Sung Min, Sean. It's good to good to see you. Good to hear your voice. And uh, I know we probably uh, met uh, in Korea while I was there. Uh, and you know, I had uh, uh, we're having you on today to talk a, a bit about squash Korea, but also to talk about your your story, your squash story, which is uh, you've come you came from Korea, maybe Seoul, uh, I believe, yes. near Seoul. And now you're in Canada. You're the assistant, uh, now that I know that, uh, you're the assistant <laughs> varsity squash coach at the University of Toronto for the women's team. And you're also, uh, I think, a squash pro or used to be at the Good Life Fitness, if I'm not yeah,
1: I'm still. Yeah, I'm still a pro there. Still a pro there.
0: And uh, you've mm. done really well in Canada in terms of your squash over the, the last little while um, and more recently playing in the Masters events, uh, which are fantastic and very deep very deep uh, uh, master's events in Canada because of all the tradition that goes way back. So it's great great to have you uh, on the podcast, uh,
1: Sean. Oh, thanks for having me, Jerry. Oh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. So um, uh, first of all, uh, Sean, if you don't mind, give us a bit, a bit of a background. Uh, I, I mean, I just laid it out a little bit there, but uh, you know, uh, who who is Sean O oh, uh, in terms of your squash, and uh, how did you uh, end up in Canada, uh, where you are? Just a bit of a thumbnail, uh, if you don't mind.
1: <laughs> okay. So my name is Sean O. Oh, uh, currently, uh, coaching the University of Toronto varsity team. Uh, I coach women's team in uh, a Scotch pro at Dunfield Club in Toronto, Canada, and a member of team Ontario Masters. Uh, Ontario is my province in Canada, so okay. in case I uh, know the in Canadian territory. So if, and... I, was
0: in, if I was in Canada, uh, I'd be playing for team Nova Scotia. Yeah. We've got a good team. We, we'd have a good team, I think. So we, we'd compete with you guys. <laughs> Do, you know Matt? Do you know Matt
1: Bishop? Oh yeah, he's he's good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really so, good. yeah he, he he's would, still he, he good would actually. Play
0: number one, maybe maybe I would play number two uh, or three, but it it would
1: be fun. Yeah, maybe he's he's still good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I got this a lot actually. So what brought you to move to Canada? So uh, I just wanted to expand my horizon. So when I was undergrad, actually I took biology that I have two choices for my life. A is keep playing squash, in this case, touring pro or something. And B is keep studying biology, so get a job after school. Mm -hmm. And I chose option B because, as you know, as everybody knows, squash is a bit tough to make money at that time, back in the days, like 25 years ago. So I went to, after grad 25 school.
0: years ago. Are you serious? You yeah, look <laughs> yeah, so
1: 25. Thank you, Daddy.
0: <laughs> I'm
1: 41 <laughs> this year. <laughs> 41. Holy lord. Okay, I'm, so,
0: I'm 51. So.
1: Yeah, so yeah, so I chose option B to keep studying. <laughs> so I got a job. Oh, before that, I went to the grad school. So I got a master's degree. And then I got a job, one of the pharmaceutical companies in Korea. But I still North America had more options for me. So I moved to Canada and I went, when I moved to Canada the first time, I never knew I would become a, a pro or coach out of U of T university of Toronto. I never expected it. Yes. So, so yeah,
0: that was it. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. So uh, I think you and I may have crossed paths, uh, I think just before I left, uh, before I left Korea, uh, uh, you mentioned earlier w- before we had our little technical issue that it was at uh, I think a masters squash event at, at, at that fantastic uh, facility yeah. in uh, yeah. Sungnam. At the time, I don't think we knew each other, but uh, that was maybe one of the last competitive events in the long my long sort of history in, in Korea, and it was a fantastic one. Uh, it was a really well run event. Uh, I think it was kind of the Korea maybe a Korean. Masters uh, or Asian Masters event, I forget. But um, uh, ended up playing one of your teammates, uh, you
1: mentioned. Yeah, you beat him. <laughs> you beat him badly. Did I? Oh. It was too, it was too <laughs> I love the badly. though. It's too bad. But I knew you, anyways. So because Jerry Gibson is kind of famous guy in South Korea. So it's t- this is not for you, this is for your listeners, for your podcast subscribers. Mm-hmm. So Jerry Gibson from uh, Canada, a successful junior player came to Korea. And at the time, Korea had really a infancy, its infancy was squash-wise. So uh, squash firstly introduced in Korea, 1988, which is really not that long ago. That so long we, ago. Didn't, yeah, we didn't know anything about squash, especially nobody knew what the squash is. And then Jerry came to Korea, and then your contribution <laughs> was huge. So how to train, better, how to train efficiently, Mm -hmm. what to train, and how to prepare yourself for competition. It was a lot.
0: Yeah, what I would say, I mean, uh, when I first arrived, I got lucky. I I managed to, uh, I hooked up with a guy by the name of Michael Ross, and he was the head tennis pro at uh, the Grand Hyatt, at the Grand Mm. Hyatt Seoul. Mm -hmm. and he was the sort of de facto squash coach at that facility, and we knew each other basically through mutual friends through squash. He's Canadian, and he said, why don't you take over the squash program? And at that time, there was a gentleman by the name of K.S. Park. I don't know if you know K.S. Park. Park Kwang Suk.
1: Oh, he's my fourth coach, actually. He's my first Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, he, he is the godfather of I, w- I would say, I would argue, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but the godfather of Korean squash. Yeah, 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 he's like first um, uh He sort of, he and I became really close, and, and he introduced me to the Korean sort of, all the sort of top players in Korea, and we used to train twice a week at the Hyatt, and they, they were really supportive, and then also at the other club across the road, the Seoul Club. But uh, I think, you know, back during that time, that was when, Korean squash started to get some traction, started to, you know, there were guys like uh, Ku Run-hue, yeah, yeah. national mm-hmm. coach, and uh, Kim Chang-chul, who was very yeah. good at that time, and uh, yeah. a guy that I really had some great matches with, Jung Young-jun. Yeah. Yeah, very, very, uh, I, I think, a great athlete, that guy. Holy Lord, he, he, he was good. He was very good. They were all good. Chang Cheol was good and obviously Ku, uh, national
1: champion, was very good. They were all national team squad. Yeah, yeah all they were, they on the national
0: team. Be. And, and uh, we used to have some really fantastic uh, training sessions. Uh, and uh, the godfather, uh, Park Gwang Suk, he, he set it all up. And so together, uh, uh, we worked well together as a team. I think there were a lot of separate uh, personalities amongst all those people, <laughs> so at some point, you know, things kind of separated. But anyways, that's beside the point. So you, you, um, we'll get into that a little bit later. But you're, you, how, how is uh, coaching the varsity team for you, Sean, at University of Toronto? Because that's a fantastic uh, tradition there.
1: Yeah, I enjoy. I'm enjoying it. So actually, just I'm enjoying it, but at the same time, it's kind of challenging because. Uh, I would say coaching is a very different thing from playing. So just because you're a good player doesn't mean you can be a good coach. Mm-hmm. So, I mean this is more about delivering ideas to someone else. So that's kind of challenging. So uh, I listened to your one of your podcast episodes. I think Peter and Nicole mentioned exactly the same thing. So anyways, it's to me it's really fulfilling as a coach out of UFT. Of so One thing was what what happened two years ago was um, men's varsity team. I mean, men's varsity varsity team wise, Westerns are really strong. They have a 35 years winning streak. It's untouchable. Yeah, yeah. For women, yeah, know. for yeah. You you had Chris Hannibal, right? So that's right. Became, yeah, Chris uh,
0: Hanaberry, and yeah, uh, he became a coach. In, there. Way back in the day, they had the great the great Canadian legends like uh, Gary Waite and Jamie Crombie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Leg- like legends of the game,
1: right? Yeah, but now, so women's team, Queens, they are they are like men's Western. They, they are a oh, stacked team. They're the they really the, to beat. The Western of the women's
0: varsity game.
1: Yeah, but uh, but Queens varsity team for women's. They are like untouchable in Kingston they are really good yeah. so we had a really chance great chance to beat these guys so to break their winning streak uh, two years ago and uh, we lost and uh, in, in the final OEA final so with seven players playing each other it's three three tie the last one they won and our one played each other game to fight tie break and we lost oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> still,
0: still, it must have been a uh, fantastic yeah.
1: experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And the agile coach myself and my players as well, they learned a lot during their tournament and event and the whole semester. So agile coach, yeah, I'm, that is a really fulfilling job and I'm enjoying it, but it's challenging too. And maybe I see my players are getting better, improving, and then that is a huge achievement.
0: That's great, and uh, I think the fact that that you know you're still competing as well, and I think probably more so a few years ago because I was I followed, you know, your results a bit. You you had some really good wins in the Ontario uh, tournament circuit there. Uh, I guess the fact that you're still competing and still uh, playing at a at a good level that inspires. Uh, the players that are on the team, uh, when they notice that you're, you know, you're not just a coach. You're, you're training and you're playing uh, some good squash as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Yeah, as a player, I used I to compete, but now oh, I'm just over 40 now. <laughs> so, yeah. so,
0: so yeah, yeah, Come yeah. on, you you got to beat Steve Wren.
1: Oh yeah, Steve Wren. Yes, yeah. so, actually, yeah. I played him. So this past January, uh, as a team Ontario, I played a. Uh, canadian masters event in vancouver so uh, i played ian power too so he's okay a, yeah younger brother of jordan power uh, he beat me though and then it was a really good e- experience and steve run i think he won british masters i think yeah he, he did well in the world masters i think he
0: got to maybe the quarter finals of the world masters uh yeah he and he really won fun. british he won british he won the british too. and that that's yeah. a, that would have been over 50
1: though i think uh, yeah, he's, he's yeah. older than me. Yeah. So that was a really good experience and they are really skillful and they got more experience than I did. So, yeah. So my coach was in Korea. So my first so coach
0: talk, was... Let's talk about that because I wanted to bring that up. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, we're here, I think, uh, one of our main focuses uh, to having you on is obviously to talk about squash in Korea. And we just mm-hmm. uh, mentioned that... Uh, you know, back in the late 80s and when I was there it was still, it was very much in its infancy. Uh, but nowadays it seems like they have a very, uh, I think, a very impressive uh, infrastructure uh, there. And, and it's all It's all run by, by Koreans uh, at the, you know, highest levels of coaching and refereeing. But where did you get your, how did you get started uh, in squash? Where did you get your start and where did you play and who were your your influences and coaches back when you started?
1: That's a funny story, actually. So my high school buddies and I were making a plan for upcoming summer vacation. And I wanted not play tennis, actually. But one of the guys, he strongly convinced everybody to play squash. Oh, okay. And at the time, we didn't know, what the heck is squash? He's Playing your tennis in the room, we had no idea what it is. <laughs> and then we jumped on the court, and everybody got crazy. Nobody left. So we made a deal, okay, first, first month, we're going to play squash. Second month, okay, we're going to play tennis. And third month, we're going to do something else. But squash, first month, and second month, squash, third month, squash. So we kept playing squash. It's so addictive. So oh, yeah. that's how I ended up playing squash this long. And my coach was Park Wang Sok. He's my first coach. Park Wang Soo. Yeah, Park he's Park my Park. first coach. I thought, yes. And then... My second coach was Kang ho He used to be a, a, a national Gang. team squad as well. Ho-seok. Kang Ho-seok. Yeah. Oh, yes. Ho-seok. Oh, cool. Of course. Yeah, yeah. kong yeah. Kang. Yeah. He's he's, my he's, second a, coach. he's
0: a big part of the Korean squash uh, team. Korean squash federation team. Yeah.
1: Yes. Actually, he's a head, head, head coach in Korea now. Yeah. And Kong-seong New is another coach. Yes. He's taking care of women's team. And Kang is taking care of men's team. Right. So yeah, so thanks to my high school buddies, I got into squash. What was it
0: back during those early days? I mean, you know how to play now, you know all the thing, you know, everything about squash uh, that there is to know. But uh, back then when you knew nothing,
1: what was so addictive? What was so addictive about the game? It was just the fun, you know, (laughs) it's so fun there. So just get in the room, bang the ball to the wall and we had a team. So two lines just above the team and just below the ceiling. Just get up to the front wall. Just hit it. And the values are so long. Yeah. So we had a really fun there. So, and then coach came in. Okay, no, 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 you got to grip like this. And then the front swing is nice, right. Lock it up and follow through. So, oh, this is what well, it is. He
0: would have been a tremendous guy to to learn the game from because not only had he been involved in the game for, like, I think a lot of the young Korean squash coaches at that time might not have known a lot about the game, but he knew a lot about the game. And he actually, he was one of the more, he had a really stylish uh, uh, game. If You know, he had a real, he was real stylish in the way that he swang the racket and moved around on the court. Uh, so that, uh, I guess he would have been a, you know, the perfect guy to, and he was very passionate and a lot of, remember, he was quite a lot of fun as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how, I don't know where and how he got the ideas because there's nothing there. He had to start from scratch because squash was not popular at all at the time. But I don't know how he got the ideas, but his teaching skill was really good. So uh, he taught me quite well. Then I learned a lot, picked up a lot. And then my level, I was improving really faster than everybody else. Thanks to a really good coach and then went to Kuo Sok Kang. So yes. I got most of a fundamental thing from Kwang Sok Park. And then I went to Kuo uh, Sok Kang, and then he kind of elaborated like the more details and yeah. the more fancy skills.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, uh, Kwang Sok was sort of fundamentals and uh, uh, I just remember him having really, really good movement, really good racket skills preparation. But he, you know, he was prone to, he liked to party a lot. Uh, Oh, yeah, I love it. Uh, it. was almost every night, almost.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love it. So,
0: I, I, you know, I had to be careful when I hung around uh, him uh, back in the day. <laughs> but,
1: uh, I know what it is. Yeah,
0: but uh, Gwa- uh, Ho is more. I think he's very, very uh, good at what he does. Obviously, he produced yeah. a lot of good. Uh, and those, you know, the Korean Squash Federation team, the other coaches oh, yeah. as well, they produced uh, some really good players from scratch, like we said. But uh, so where were you
1: playing uh, in Seoul back? Like, which clubs uh, were you playing? Uh, out of Seoul, so I, I was born and raised in Seoul. So, and then I played in Seoul as well. So first time I was somewhere in Sangbong Squash. I'm not sure if you know it. Sangbon,
0: I, yeah. Th- these names, that rings a bell. Yeah, rings a bell. Yeah, there. And then
1: I went to Songnam for a bit. Okay. And then went to Green Hills Club. Green Hills, is, is fam- that's yeah. a famous one. Yeah, this which is where Kang is, Kang was. Okay. So he was head coach there, so I went there. Then I learned a lot from him, and then at the time, we had a really good juniors round at that time. So I was kind of sparring partners for the juniors, and these juniors became national champions, which is Song Sung Mi and Taehyun Lee and this guy. Okay, yeah. yeah. There was one, I forget his name. I played
0: him a couple times, very tall, uh, he would have been around the Kim Dong Woo's era. Oh yeah, too. Yeah, very tall guy. I forget his name though. Uh, but he was quite good. He played on the national team that uh, represented Korea in um, when the Asian Games were in Korea. I forget his name though. Um, kind of tall fellow, good looking guy. Um, I'm not looking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you, that, that, yeah, all the Korean players are good I'm looking. kidding, I'm <laughs> kidding. But uh, at any rate, that's beside the point. So you, you had – that was your sort of uh, upbringing in terms of squash. And then from that point, you know, I mean, having uh, Gwang Suk and then having Coach Gwang Suk and then Coach Ho uh mm-hmm. you know, mentor you. I mean, that, obviously that, that's why you took to the game so quickly and so passionately, I would imagine.
1: Oh, Yeah. All the credit goes to these guys. Yeah. Oh, for
0: sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, then uh, basically the same way for me. I mean, when I arrived in Korea, I was looking for someone to play. Then I hooked up with with Michael Ross at the Hyatt and Gwang Coach uh, Park was there, and he had the passion. You know, he. I think once he saw that I was there, you know, what I could bring, and then he latched on to me, and we were really good friends. And then he introduced uh, he introduced me to uh, Coach Koo. Uh, who became basically one of my, my best friend uh, over that time while I, I was there, my best squash friend for sure. Uh, now talk about a little bit, you know, Korean squash has, uh, in my estimation, has a tremendous uh, infrastructure uh, and they've done it all on their own and they've done it pretty much all on their own and all from scratch uh, in terms of, uh, you know, their national team from the Korean talent from uh, highly, highly qualified uh, coaches with their, their highest levels of coaching and also referees. So uh, just speak to that for a minute, what the Korean Squash Federation has managed to sort of, uh, if you could, sort of achieve on its
1: own. So basically, so everything is all about infrastructure. So the main issue was we need to build more Squash mm. so it So be, it's been up and down, actually. So there were Larva Scotch Courts back in 90s, the South Korea had a huge recession in the late 90s. So yeah, after so that, that, yeah, after that, the, the lot IMS of Scotch Courts. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, there, there, there was. So after that, a lot of Scotch Courts became yoga class and group exercise or just typical gym area. So if you imagine two players are going into this big area and playing for 40 minutes, Compared to if you put and try to make a running machine and put some free weight there, you can get more members in this. So it's just economically, scotch is not that uh, doesn't have that huge advantage there. So as of twenty twenty this year, I think we need more scotch courts countrywide. So some particulars or uh, some areas in Seoul, uh, in South Korea, Ulsan had a mm-hmm. lot of scotch courts, which is uh, like, but Seoul. Has the uh, most popular most population in South Korea. The so quarter of a population lives in Korea uh, Seoul area, but we don't have that many coach courts. So mm-hmm. it's kind of unbalanced. So we gotta make it balanced match up. So that's a, the biggest issue I think. And highly qualified white, highly qualified coach, highly qualified batteries, uh, I think we gotta define what the high qualified means
0: mm-hmm.
1: because there was there was no. Top PSA players in South Korea. The right. highest rank was Mi Song. She was forty-one in the world, but he's still playing. He's not. She's not a coach now. He's still active. And the men's side, nobody nobody broke top hundred. Right. The closest one was Yong Jo Ko. He was around one twenty, one ten. He was the closest one. But everybody else is below two hundred or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they are that bad. Just because South Korea has a really far, far east corner, geographically, they are really far away. So whenever they have to play PSA event, they have to fly long distance and they have to pay hotel, flight, food, everything. That costs a lot of money. So that's why they couldn't compete PSA that often. That's why their rank is really low. But anyways, the bottom line is there's been no top players in South Korea. So they need to get more experience from Used to be a legend players so or group players. So like Mike Way was something, something, like that. Yeah. Well, so, I do
0: remember. Uh, you you probably know her, Kim Chan. Is that right? Can uh, Ann and Chan? Sorry. Oh yeah, Yeah, yeah. yeah. She she yeah. uh, she was also like a um, song song, song me song she she yeah. also uh, did quite well. She she'd won yeah. a couple of five uh, K events. They won five Ks. Really. Yes. And I think she spent. Uh, a lot of time oh, living there, I think she lived there yeah. for Australia a while. yes so uh, you know something like that I think because uh, that that's the problem in my estimation, maybe is that like they don't have a lot of comp you know they, they play amongst themselves and the the Koreans train very hard, but then they don't have exposure all the time to high level players that can challenge them exactly
1: or, or push them. yes. Yes, exactly. So the first generation doesn't have that much experience compared to the second generation. So I think the second, when the second generation becomes uh, that more experience, when I mean, they get older, when they, get, they become coaches level, I think we're going to have an even brighter future in South Korea's coach.
0: Yes. Well, I mean, over the years, you guys have done – you know you've done pretty well in terms of the asian uh squash cert you know seeing when you play in the asian games or your asian team championships occasionally you've beaten uh, you know countries like japan and you do beat the other asian countries uh, the lesser like uh the, the philippines and uh other countries uh but hong kong's obviously uh oh. different <laughs> level. yeah yeah but you can see the you know they have deeper pockets there. They have more money, but they all, you know, they, they brought in a guy like, uh, like Chris Robertson.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: To, yeah, exactly. To run yeah. their squash program. And I don't think Korea has done, they did it once. I remember they brought in uh, Mirzaman Gol. I think it was once. a Pakistani guy. Uh, and once. he was a top player back in the day, top 10 in the world, I
1: think. But uh, he only stayed for like six months. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, I don't know the reason, maybe the funding issue, I think. So, you yeah. know, to bring some uh, famous or capable coach outside Korea, like Ong Beng-hee or someone else, because Tia lin Koo is in the U.S., Mike Way is a teaching Harvard, and John White is in Philly. Yeah. So... All the greats, so they are, all the greats are yeah, over there. I think they are really open okay to go Palmer. Yeah, Palmer is in Florida and Cornell. So that, I think they are really open to go anywhere to if when they are given to really good environment yeah. to teach squash and court. Oh, I, I think, think yeah. South Korea I mean, has if, if
0: someone had the opportunity to, like one of these big names, unfortunately, it obviously costs money to be able to do this, but uh, to run or to sort of uh, try to further develop the, the elite squash players in Korea and bringing in one of these Top-level players. I think they. One of these guys would love the opportunity. Uh, mm-hmm. the, I mean, if there was money available, it would be a great opportunity. Yeah, because you have so many passionate, young, uh, raw, talented players that you can work with.
1: Yeah. So I think this is my thought. This is not the official opinion for Korean federation. <laughs> this is not my opinion. But uh, I think one is none of, funny none of this is
0: official, is it, uh, Sean?
1: <laughs> <Right>. yes, <laughs> yeah. The major issue should be the funding issue. But other issue uh, is, kind of, I think Korean squash federation thinks this whole process is a player developed process. I think. So, what I mean is, a player retires and becomes a coach. And if the coach becomes a national team player, a national team coach, this guy is going to get more experience. But mm-hmm. if we bring up Amos coach outside Korea, this guy doesn't have that opportunity because the place is taken from somebody else. Right. So I think I, yeah, I can see that.
0: That's the, that's the way it's played out. Like with, with, uh, with the guys we mentioned, uh, my friend, uh, Koo-ryun-hye and uh, Ho-suk and all these guys were top players. Now they're top coaches and now the other younger players are coming through and they're going to, it seems, I mean, logically it does make sense because they've experienced overseas Uh, exposure, Mm. and they've experienced, you know, playing
1: at the highest level. Uh, So that that part of it, I I understand. Yeah, I think KSF, KSF, Korean School Federation they are giving they wants to give more opportunities to local players.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I guess the only, I guess, aside from that, which makes sense to me, giving the, the players more exposure to higher level squash on a regular basis. That, that's kind of maybe where, where the maybe where the Koreans are suffering a little bit because uh, they don't get the, they aren't, they aren't being put. Yes. The top guy is the top guy and he's being pushed well by the other young Koreans yeah. coming through, but the top guy isn't going any further. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So that's that, what I want. That's yeah. So I guess, I mean, they're, you know, we can we can think outside the box a little bit. You know, there there are ways around it. I mean, I mean, you you could try to sort of uh, work together with a federation, like like the Japanese feder you know, Japanese squash federation, or those within you know maybe Hong Kong have have sort of a, a circuit of, of events more
1: close. Oh, that's what's that's what's happening now, actually. So, yes. squash federation they are working with the Malaysian federation and sometimes Egypt too. So they invite really good players from Malaysia or Egypt, they play each other, train each other, train together. Yeah. So you can get both of them get some advantage from playing each other, training each other. So yeah. they are, yeah, they, they are doing it twice a year, I think.
0: Okay. Yeah, twice a yeah. yeah. So, I mean, stuff like that, once it becomes sort of maybe, uh, if it could become more routine, like more of a routine kind of thing, uh, then perhaps you can overcome yeah, you can overcome that, uh, that issue of just not having enough uh, top players to challenge your, your very top player. Because, I, I mean, I know where, where I grew up in Nova Scotia. I was uh, in Atlanta, Canada as a junior. I was the, the top guy, you know. I got pushed oh, yeah. by the guys. And then whenever I'd go to the Nationals uh, by the, in the third round of every uh, national event, I'd get hammered. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so it was like oh, how can you know i suck or you know it, 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 it's kind of demoralizing right because you know, as soon as you play like someone from a region where it's very deep and you know the players are all better than the players from your region then you know you're in trouble but if yeah. you can yeah you've got a little bigger stage and bigger stage even bigger There's more experience yeah no exactly now, now we've talked elite squash, but I know club-level <coughs> squash is also mm-hmm. fantastic in Korea. It, it's oh, yeah. very unique and different. Uh, I know the, the coaching, uh, at, at, you know, from as far as coaching is concerned, all the way to, you know, club nights and things like that. I didn't really uh, – I've seen a little bit of the club nights, and I always thought, wow, this is fun. This looks like fun. Everybody's here having fun, and they're all friendly and – you know, people bring in food and drinks and all you know, it, it's a very community, communal type of uh, effort. So just uh, speak, uh, if you don't mind, speak to the club squash community scene as compared, obviously, you're a pro at at, uh, at a club here in Toronto. So compare that to what uh, Korea, to what
1: it's like in Canada in general. This, this should be the, the honest part of this podcast episode. <laughs> the <laughs> Korea club level... Korean club level players, this is really unique in the world. I've seen never ever this kind of stuff in other countries. Only in South Korea, it's Korean special. So uh, the tournament wise, there's no consolation draw. If you it's lose not. in the first round, you're done. You go home, nothing. <laughs> so uh, the entry fee wise in Canada, that's around 50 or 60 to $80. And then you guarantee three matches. You get like a little souvenir and one meal and but in korea you have one beer yes that's the most important part yeah and in korea you're gonna get one raffle ticket mm-hmm. and one meal and one souvenir and that's all and right. there's no guarantee three matches so if you lose in the first match you're done but raffle is a big thing in korea the so raffle price is sometimes the samsung tv is there it's just oh, huge okay <laughs> and by, Yeah, the bicycle Sometimes the of rice and the food, you know, restaurant vouchers. It mm. could be. It could be anything. Airfare tickets. Yeah, yeah, everything. No. No. <laughs> so that is sponsored by local business guys. Yeah. So they are really supporting each other. It's really good. Raffling is a big thing, and the participant-wise, there are more than hundred guys. Yeah. In general. So you no, know, I, I
0: remember uh, back. And this was, I think, even at the highest level, uh, like, like playing in one of the first competitions I played in Korea. Uh, and it was with Ku and, and with Kim chang and all those guys. Uh, it, was, it, it all happened in one day. It was crazy. Thankfully, I was young back then and I didn't get, <laughs> you know, I was quite fit and could play it. But uh, you, you played all your matches. The whole tournament was done in one day.
1: Yeah, but that, nowadays it's not like that because uh, in general, the amateur club level, the tournament starts from Friday night and Saturday and Sunday. Friday yeah. night, you you might know, play one or two matches, and Saturday go through, and Sunday maybe final or semi-final. Maximum two matches only. But in Korea, uh, so such so, you know, Koreans, they work so hard. Yeah, like a walk hard. Could, they they work so hard. Yeah, Long, more, more Work, hours. Workaholic. Than yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's not, that's not possible to start on Friday night. So you're going to start from Saturday morning first. So, Saturday morning to Sunday, you only have two days. Plus, at the same time, there are 200 participants. Mm. <laughs> so, although you go at 8 or 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, that doesn't mean you're going to play at the time. Your first match might be 2 p.m., 3 p.m. Yeah. Nobody knows it. So if you are lucky at some tournament, which they are really organized, you're gonna get some draws first. So you're gonna see, oh, okay, I'm gonna start this time. So you can show up at the time. But if you show up late, they always have an opening ceremony, and after the opening ceremony, they have a raffle. Yeah. Yes. You're gonna lose the opportunity to get Samsung TV if you show up late. So you're <laughs> no, gonna no. be there. <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> gotta be there early. It, 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 yeah. They're gonna be there early. So, and then if your matches is at 2 or 3 p.m., you have to wait for nine hours a day. And then if you lose, you're done. <laughs> it's like, it's brutal. Yeah. But anyway, they're so used to it. And the only winning prize, uh, if you win the tournament, you're going to get a rocket, fancy rocket or something. So in, in Canada, club level, winner takes bag, squash bags or shoes or strings or something. But I never seen a rocket, maybe once or twice. Right. In Korea, winner always takes a rocket. There's, there's a rule. If you yeah, if they yeah. don't give yeah if you don't give a rocket, they're not gonna come back again next year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah everyone's so passionate about it now. Oh uh, yeah,
1: passionate. Yes, yes. Everyone's so enthusiastic and passionate for squash. They're yeah, really. Yeah, the the
0: real, like the, at the club level, it, it, I really thought that was amazing. I just remember, I played in one of those. Uh, tournaments it was a two-day event and uh, like you said you didn't really know uh, when you were going to play you might play your first match at 8 am and then you didn't know when your second match would be and then suddenly they, they would announce it which was fine you know that that's the way it is but uh, i remember the last time i played in one of those i could barely walk the <laughs> yeah,
1: i was there too yeah i had to when i was in korea i had to win six matches in two days yes <laughs> and I had to buy the first ramp. Six <laughs> matches in two days, yeah. That's yeah. brutal. <laughs> but, that's, uh, another thing is, so the reason why it's, it's possible is they play best of three. So best of three, in Canada, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in Canada, we play best of five up to 11 points. But in Korea, so all the club level players tournaments, they play best of three and sometimes up to nine points because there are a lot of participants and they are, there are not many codes, courts. So they have to compress everything, it's a limited area in time. Yeah. So sometimes they play one game up to 15. Generally, it's around the first match only. And then That's if you go to semis and finals, they play best of three. But before that, they, sometimes they play 15 one game or up to 21 point one game. So it, 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 it depends on the, the what the tournament is. Yeah. But anyways, sometimes it's brutal. But if you win, that is gonna be really sweet.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, there was all like people, the participants, a lot of people would be bringing food like uh, Kim oh, yes. and, uh, you know, all kinds of food. So you were never uh, hungry at these events.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. This kind of a social event, they're really good at hanging around with each other. And oh, another thing is the chanting culture. So in Canada, we know what time I'm going to play. So I just go somewhere else, take a break, take a nap. I come back at the time. But in Korea, you gotta be waiting for your match time. If you're yes. not there, you're forfeit, you're, you're done. Before. Yeah, you gotta find, so, I
0: remember you had to find like, a, like somewhere to put your kit, put your stuff and then you would just yeah. go rest, uh, and, and yeah. out there. Yeah,
1: so you gotta be there. So you gotta get some time at the venue. So you cannot go anywhere, you can't. So you gotta bring your food and eat something between the matches and you gotta do it. And another, another fun, fun thing is the chanting. So if it's a tournament, yeah, with 10 guys from your club, they play same tournament. So they are cheering each other, cheering each other, chanting out each other. So let's go, come on, shout outside. And then 11 point, every single point you, you, get, you get, they go crazy outside. So you're gonna hear like a crazy, loud chanting outside 11 times per game. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you're, 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 yeah, that's
0: connected to just sort of the different clubs uh, represented at, at the event,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's they're really great. And this is really fun. If you're on the court as a player, if you're exhausted, you have no energy left to move again, but if you hear that, okay, I'm gonna, I don't don't want to lose. I don't want to let them down. You're like, go off, court, go for So that <laughs> is, that's going to inject extra energy to it.
0: Yeah. Now uh, we're just jumping around a little bit, but the, something that I kind of missed, and I wanted to ask you about in terms of the uh, the higher level players uh, was mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to ask you about the Korean military service. And oh, obviously, yeah. uh, every you know, I think most people know it's mandatory uh, for yeah. uh, probably I think it's like three years or two years to do your military service. So what um, now when you're a high level player, obviously uh, that's going to have a major impact on you as a player. It'll interrupt everything. But, uh, so what impact does the, uh, the Korean military service have on its, uh, up and coming players? And would you say that overall the shelf life of a Korean male player looking to make progress, uh, professionally, do you think it's severely impacted by this?
1: Uh, it may not impact for the shelf life of players, but it may impact on the performance level of players so the South Korea has a mandatory military service which used to be three years but now it's two years now it became shorter so now it's two years now
0: yeah
1: but still if you imagine uh, early 20 years 21 22 years old squash player it's really good but if this guy had to go to the military for two years it's nothing if you go to the military you cannot play squash at all Sometimes you have a vacation every three months, you can come out play it but it doesn't happen all the time. So two years, if the early stage of professional players is a lot, it's kind of trimming out. Mm-hmm. So, so if, if a good junior, if there's a good junior, there's a really huge, fast momentum to go up. But if this guy has to go to the military, the platform come, And then after the military, he has to take some time to get used to get back to the get back where he used to be,
0: hmm. so it takes that more time. To me like it would take away from all the momentum that you had generated as a player. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Another thing is, if if they finish the military service, they they are okay, okay to go anywhere. But if if not, if they haven't finished the military service, they cannot go outside easily. Meaning. If I want to go to Egypt, long squash, but if I didn't finish the military service, you cannot go, which is That's a huge limitation. Yeah, yeah. So some players will take they go to the military service earlier to finish early and then do more serious squash afterwards, but it's for personal choices. Uh, yeah, so it's good. It's, it's, still, it's still tough, but yeah. there are two ways. There are two ways to, uh, exempts the military service. A, if you win gold medal in Asian games, you don't have to go. That's inspiration right there. Yeah, and B, if you get a medal, doesn't matter gold, bronze, silver, doesn't, doesn't matter. If you get a medal in Olympics, you don't have to go. But the thing is, there's no squash in Olympics. Right. Now, the, the Asia, what about the Asian games or they, they're not? Uh, only old gold medals only. only so a go okay. gold medals. You don't have to go. But, we have a Hong Kong, <laughs> yeah. Malaysia. Well, I mean, it wasn't that long Iran. ago. It wasn't that
0: long ago when Korea was actually competing pretty closely with, with Hong Kong. Uh, I, you know, maybe ten years ago, fifteen years ago. The uh, uh, so
1: women's team got bronze medals twice yeah. back to back. So yeah. we, they beat Japan in the Asian Games, so mm-hmm. they got bronze medals. But men's teams, that's even tougher.
0: Yeah, so we, oh, they yeah. had
1: to compete Hong Kong, Pakistan, Iran, Malaysia. Well, yeah, <laughs> they are big tough. guys. Yeah.
0: yeah, Malaysia, Hong Kong are are very very difficult to to uh, to beat those two teams.
1: Yeah, so the changes are so slim. So, so that, yeah, they I, just go literally. Uh,
0: yeah, because I kind of noticed that uh, now. Now, I think some guys obviously they they managed to resume their, their playing competitively and played pretty well. But it just seemed to me uh, that it would be sort of right when they were really developing as young men and, and developing into uh, good players that this kind of uh, stemmed their development a little bit. But uh, like you said, a lot of, uh, of players come back and do quite well.
1: Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so two years gap is huge for sure. But now everybody has to do it. And based on what I saw, is everybody's doing well after finishing the military service, and their lifespan as a squash player doesn't get shortened. So, their play, lifespan
0: doesn't get shortened, right?
1: Yeah, that, yeah, it doesn't. Right. So, I guess, I guess what I'm phone, saying
0: is, it, it, it kind of, yeah, it doesn't get shortened, but it doesn't. It, it would have an impact on their, on the the progress of their development.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so.
0: Yeah. But uh anyways, we're I'd like to uh, get to talking a, a little bit uh, about a uh, little more about you and I really appreciate uh, Sean your your um you know giving us some insight onto Korean squash, but let's talk a little bit about you. Um uh I know I saw a picture there video actually of you uh, training with uh, with Paul Cole. Now that must have been—that uh, must have been, I mean, you it looked like you were doing pretty well. He—he he had you in the back of the court for the most part. You got him back there a couple of times as well, which was—which was good. But you—you uh, you were hitting the ball well. So, how did that all come about? And uh, uh, what was it like to
1: train with him? Yeah. So there was a Canada Cup going on early—early early of the year in March or February. Yep. Canada Cup. So Paul Cole—he uh, competed that two years back to back. And my club, one has clubs in Michisawa in Canada, uh, we are hosting the event as well. So Cambridge club is the main main venue.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they, they host the final, semi-finals, but before that, first or second round, they distribute, the ORC and one has and the Cambridge club, other clubs, they, they all host the, the event. And Paul Cole came to the club because he has to play there. So he came, he, he came to Canada two days earlier for the jet lag and to get used to the, the environment. And then our club manager invited him. Then I joined there. Okay. <laughs> I, I jumped on the cross. And well, the club manager arranged everything. So you can play the local cross for warm up <clears throat> before your match. And then he was toying with me, torturing. Then <laughs> <laughs> I was his, I was his toy. I thought my ball was tight enough to the sidewall, but he was smiling, smiling, and your ball is not that tight. And then after the, and after <laughs> I, the was, ball well, I was watching
0: that, and and uh, I mean, you were hitting it fairly tight, but uh, you know, it wasn't glued to the sidewall, and he was just sending it back uh, like it, you know, like it was easy.
1: You're gonna be that good, you know, to get world number five, so <laughs> that was qualification. So I realized, so, wow, this is another one. <laughs>
0: So what did you learn from spending a little bit of time with him? And maybe you watched his preparation and watched what he did uh, in terms of his training and how he carried himself around uh, the venue. What did you learn from Paul? I mean, he's a, he's a consummate professional. He's a guy who's really uh, developed uh, into, uh, the, you know, like you said, top five player in the world. And uh, so what did you notice that he did that, that uh, we can all sort of maybe take away?
1: Yeah, actually, I, so actually, I, went, I jumped on the code with my, my buddy, Corey McCarney, he's 200 in the world. So we had a session all of three, call, call myself, and Corey, and we threw a lot of questions to Paul in the court, <laughs> and then how you train, and then what's the, the biggest thing you think in the game? I mean, the, how, how you manage your crisis under the pressure, how, yeah. how you take from the crisis, so that point of information. Yeah. So, everybody plays differently. It's got Ali Farag, with Egyptian guys, they play more aggressive way, but Cole Paul is more safer and more fundamental based on strong cardio. That is yeah, his yeah. game plan, which is mine too. Really? So, yeah, you look, you look fit. Even, I mean, like I said, you look fit. You don't look 41, man. Thank you. So Sadly, this podcast <laughs> shows only voice only. It doesn't show my face there. No, Come to my Instagram. Oh, no, I, I can see you. Oh, huh?
0: but I, I can see you, but, um, uh, you know, the, obviously the listener can't see you. So they're just going to yeah, yeah. trust my judgment. He looks like he, he's about 20.
1: <laughs> I think he's <it's> <laughs> So yeah, so after, after the own coach session, we all went to the gym together. So poor core is known as a really good guy at the weight training thing. Yeah, so crazy, I his yeah. training schedules. Like how often do you, train and then once your weight training program so he didn't give us that much details but he gave us a general concept of how it does so then i was kind of kind of copying his his program and modified to myself yeah. so it was a really good experience so i met him last year and this year as well two years back to back because he played the canada cup twice yeah so yeah, every year yeah, he, he comes. Played, in. Uh,
0: Who did he play in the final this year? Oh, he played Greg Loben, right, in the final. Uh a moment, Tarek moment. This Tarek year. moment in the final. Tarek moment and Tarek won. Tarek won, yeah. Yeah, last game. yeah. And then, Tarek really, went on, and then Tarek went on to win the World uh, Open. Yes,
1: he carried the yeah. momentum against yeah. against uh, Paul. Yeah, so they. Yeah, yeah, that was a preview. Preview. Yeah, preview and yeah, exactly. That was fun to watch these two guys playing uh, really. Uh, Tarek is the Egyptian player, but it's different between Tarek and other Egyptian players, Farag, Gawad, and Tarek. These three players they play differently. Mm-hmm. They're really fun to watch. And yeah, all, is, I mean,
0: yeah, I like watching Tarek because he's uh, uh, he's so uh, deceptive. You know, you don't yeah. really know yeah. what he's going to do, and he, and because he's so quick and so fit, and uh, he's got all you know, he's he's got a really so I wouldn't again, a little bit unorthodox in the way that he hits the ball.
1: Yeah, his movement is very different from everybody else. So he used one foot position, generally goes back. He used wide wife on the backhand side, generally. Everybody does the open step or two, two foot position, but Taragi goes always one foot. That's one thing I can notice. Yeah. And Paul is just, he, he gets everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't do as much... Uh, I mean, he used to be uh, notorious for diving around the court like uh, Miguel Rodriguez. Uh, mm-hmm. But he doesn't do as much of that these days because I think he's more, I think he realized, you know, he needs, maybe needs to be uh, more efficient with his uh,
1: movement. And he moves the ball around a lot better, I think now. That is, uh, I even read an article from Scottish Site. And his current coach is Rob Owen. And, and I blah, blah, blah. think he, yeah, yeah, he told to, his opinion was, can never...
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah, never. He, oh, <laughs> that's, that, that's
1: what that's he said. He, he walked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. walked around the court. So, Yeah, Poko's movement is really great, but I think rob Owen wants him not to dive that much.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Rob Owen's great. I don't know if you, he was on my podcast uh, a while ago and uh, it was really fun uh, talking to him, but he seems to be uh, a guy who. I mean, he, he knows how to coach. He knows how to identify um, where to improve a, a player's uh, game. And, and uh, I think the players that he works with, they all really respect him. And, uh, you know, they, they love working with him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I read the articles from Roe Owen. And I think they're – the, I don't know what they're doing in their camp. But yeah, Poco changed a couple of things. The movement, he doesn't dive not as much. And he's grip. He's he's holding the rocket a little bit upper compared to last season. Yeah. So those two things are the noticeable, I think. Right on. But overalls, so yeah, I learned a lot from from Poco. <laughs> so it's no, no no number, number five in the world. Yeah, it's really yeah. Good he's your, he's
0: your he's uh when, when he whenever he arrives in uh, Toronto, he's uh you know, he's going to be get calling you up for some sparring.
1: I also. And then off the court, he's a really nice guy. He's a gentle and humble. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. Well, I just had
0: uh, his girlfriend. Uh, she was the, my last episode, Nelly.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I just went to it, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. She's fantastic. But uh, and very, well, she looks fitter than him. <laughs> <laughs> she's fitter than him. But, uh, you know, Sean, you've been great with your time. Now, uh, before you go, what's... Uh, What's uh, the COVID situation like in terms of uh, squash there in Toronto? And uh, what, what, uh, what do you have on your plate
1: in the upcoming months? It's getting better in Ontario. I'm not sure about the whole Canada-wide, but Ontario-wise, it's getting better. And then we open the court, but we can do solo drills only. We are not allowed to place a match unless you live together. I see. So, yeah. So in solidarity is only, so that's the policy from Squash Ontario, I think from Squash Canada too. Mm. And I think this situation is gonna go another two or three weeks. And then we'll see how it goes. If the COVID situation gets better, they may allow to play a match or even tournament. But uh, the nationals are scheduled in November. So you, there was nationals a May- The scheduled in November. Yeah, in, at White Oaks. The white oaks. Uh, yeah, Matt, Matt my my, my boy, my boy Matt Easingwood's there. Yeah, yeah, Easingwood's there. Yeah, he's there. <laughs> so initially that was in May, but they pushed it back to November. But I'm not sure if that's gonna happen. But at this rate, they're doing good. Okay. Uh, well, thanks for uh, at
0: least you're allowed back on the court, and and uh, you know you can do some solo and maybe you know play, I guess people in your bubble well, hopefully
1: yeah may, maybe the bubble is the next step right yeah yeah i think so yeah so there's no lessons allowed no matches allowed we can just do solo drills and then after the solo drill the, the cleaning steps comes in they wipe out the clean the coats for half an hour and next person comes in and then it takes a lot of work but yeah. so i think that's necessary and that's reasonable oh absolutely absolutely but slowly yeah, slowly but surely, yeah, we are getting there.
0: Yeah, you've got to do that stuff because as soon as someone gets infected and they trace it back to uh, your club or squash club, then everything shuts down. So,
1: Yeah, actually, there's a research paper published in, uh, in May, uh, March, I think. There's an epidemiological research paper in Slovenia. And one, play, one player uh, came from Italy, and he got positive from COVID, mm-hmm. but he didn't know at the time, but he played his body. Yeah, he left, and in the same quote, all of the four guys played in the same court. They all got positive. Oh no! Okay, <laughs> so, <laughs> not sure. They that came from this guy, but anyway, there's just a research paper there, so we gotta be really careful. Have to be careful.
0: All right, all right. Well, Sean, now before uh, I just got a couple more uh, questions for you. Uh, uh, this has been a great chat, by the way, and really appreciate your time. Uh, now, I've heard about this national sports festival, and I don't know uh, very much about it. But uh, I believe it has—it's uh, it, a way for the Korean uh, pro players to to keep playing and to uh, to make a bit of a living. Uh, but I don't know all the details. Could you uh, you know give us uh, some background on that? Because it sounds like something uh, that's quite interesting.
1: The first part is as you mentioned. National Sports Festival. That's for professional players in Korea. So technically uh, they, are, they get salaries from cities or provinces that they play for. So it's oh. an annual event. So once a year, so four days for so three or four days. It has both individual event and team events as well. Mm-hmm. So team event is that a team is, consists of three players. So both men and women. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as a World Team Squash Championship, same thing, three players. Right. But one big difference is they don't play based on their rank. So like a World Team Squash is one place one, two place two, three against three. But in Korean National Sports Festival event, they, they make a play order, like a oh. gamble.
0: Oh, so, so the captain yeah, of the, the team or the coach of the team will decide the order of their team on...
1: The yes, day, I, yeah, so that's the, uh, I think that's the only way for underdogs that they can beat the stronger team. That's the only way. So the salary-wise, all, all the three players, their salaries are very different, of course. So they make, uh, it's a little bit subjective, but enough money to, for a living without playing PSA. Mm. So I listened to a podcast episode from Ken Peerley, and shall Shelby, the comment from the couch. So a few years years ago, Ken Paley disclosed the earnings annual income from PSA event, price money only, without counting his sponsorships or something else. Just price monies, he disclosed it and he earned 75 grand per year. But in Korea, the professional players, if you play one or two for the team, they make more than that. Really? So technically, they don't. Yeah, technically, they don't have to play PSA because this is more important for them. If they play PSA, they make some prize money or something. But if they play national event, uh, sports festival, they make more money, which is more valuable for them mm-hmm. for living. So okay. that could be one reason for squash players in Korea. Korean squash players, they don't play PSA that often. But another thing is, of course, geographic issue. They are located in far, far east corner. (laughs) So they play really long distance and they have to play. They have to play hotel, food, everything to play PSA event. Whereas they can live where they live, home, stay home, and play a two or three or four days event once a year. Generally, that's in October, and they make enough money for living. So.
0: so they uh, so they play in this event, and throughout the year they get they get sort of a salary. Do they like a monthly salary from the from the province or from the national sports federation? Is that how that works? And that's part of this uh, competing in the national sports festival. That kind of, is that what you mean?
1: It's sort of like around NBA or major league baseball thing. So they play for city or provinces like Seoul or Busan or Incheon. <laughs> so they, yeah, they, yeah. And then they recruit players based on the performance from previous previous years.
0: Big so, rivalries there from what I, I remember back when I was there, it was like, uh, and Seoul and, and uh, Incheon.
1: Incheon. Incheon, yes. They are still strong. They
0: got the big, uh, the big, big training center there.
1: Yeah, Coach Koo is still there in Incheon. <laughs> and he's a really knowledgeable coach. So yeah. his guys is really always strong. So yeah, there's a big rivalry. is Kyung-Gido and Incheon. But now, really right they're they all equally good. So Cholado, Gwangju, they're all good too. Yeah. So they recruit uh, end of the season for the upcoming year. And then mm-hmm. they make a contract from top guys. The three players for the team both men and women to so six plus in total, there's no sub. Okay. So there's another reason if they play PSA and if they get injured, they can screw the whole thing for the national thing. Right. So in general, so, yeah. So the, in so general, like they, they
0: get chosen at the beginning of the year by their province or by their, uh, yeah, by the city that they're yeah. playing for. And then yeah. they, they're committed. They have a commitment to that based on this contract.
1: Exactly, so yeah, so the recruit is around uh, end of the year, and then they make a one- year or two years contract for the team, I main city of province, and they practice and train hard for their October thing. Then, So some players are going out for playing PSA event after their uh, national sports festival, so that's a, in general, that's on October, mid-October, so once they start, and then they go PSA from end of October to January or February. In general, they go to uh, New Zealand or Australia. Yes. Which yes. is closer, and, and they do have to deal completely. with the tight jet lag.
0: Yeah, there's not as much jet lag issue there, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, but long flight, but only one hour or two hours jet lag, which is <laughs> good for that.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. Well, yeah, that's interesting. I did not, I didn't, I mean, I, I was aware of that festival sort of vaguely and uh, obviously, I knew I know quite a bit about the rivalry and the competition between the provinces. Uh, uh, we have that in Canada, actually. as you know. We we have the men's and women's provincial mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. championship once a year, but there's really, all, I think, only the top top pros might get a little bit of money from that. Now mm-hmm. uh, it's not like that uh, the way it is in Korea. So well, that's that's uh, that's interesting, and that's really good for for the players, the pro players. In Korea, to be able to sort of commit to the game, uh, that oh, yeah. they know they know they're going to be making a living, and they know if they play well, they'll get chosen. So it's something they can train for and look forward to. I, I would imagine.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. So relatively, Korean squash has a, such a short history. So hmm. squash came to Korea in 1988, so which is really not that long ago. Yeah. So everybody knew. Nothing. So we had to play. We had to start from scratch. So, for so somehow they developed the sport in their way. And yeah. then became so competitive. So considering the fact they have such a short history, they got two bronze medals from Asian games. So which okay. is really good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the two bronze from team uh, event.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. Busan, wasn't it? The young,
1: uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Peggy young young Lee. Yeah, yeah she got... Play. Yeah, she got Definitely. bronze medal in individual, and ten years after they got another bronze from team event, and another bronze back to back from team event as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, but she won an individual bronze. Yeah, I, 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 she, yeah she was uh, yeah. Lee. Yeah, yeah. And she's probably yeah. retired now. Oh, no, she's still active,
1: by the way. <laughs> she's oh, still active. Okay. Yeah. Oh, great. She's still good. <laughs> How about you, Park? Park as well, Park. Eun-ho. She's still active, too. Yeah.
0: Okay. Wow, okay. So that's good. It's good to see the, you know, they're, they're still probably giving the young players some trouble because they're both uh, very good.
1: Yeah, Eun-ho Park is, as far as I know, she's the same age as Rachel Greenham. All oh, right,
0: yeah, so yeah, Ra- age. Ra- yeah Rachel's still uh, going strong.
1: Yeah, yeah, so in their, uh, yeah, early they, 40s. Yeah. yeah, they keep playing squash, and then yeah, that's a pro level. And for the club level, uh, South Korea has a unique style for club level squash. So, uh, tournament wise, they have a cheaper entry fee. So, in Canada, I live in Canada, so whenever I go to a tournament, I have to pay. 60 or 70 or 80 dollars for entry fee and i get one voucher beer and meal tickets and t-shirts or souvenir or something
0: but yeah it's all about the Korea. beer in canada
1: yes that's the uh,
0: most important gotta, thing. if there's free beer involved then uh, then everyone will pay the 60 60 uh, dollar entry fee <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. yeah yeah that's the main attraction
1: yes <laughs> to me as well so and oh, we that- have Three matches are guaranteed. So whenever you yeah. lose a win the first match, you have to play consolation or a complete. Mm-hmm. But in Korea, there is no consolation draw, but it's cheaper than anywhere else, I think. The entry fee is only 15 or $20 only, but you're going to get nice uh, referee ticket, which is a, if you can win a Samsung TV with fancy bicycle or something, yeah, because yeah. Of, yeah, most tournaments are sponsored by uh, local business guys so they are they're supporting each other they're really active and then fun and they're enthusiastic they're, they're all good so you can win you, you're going to get a chance to win something as a souvenir but if you lose in the first match you're done there's no consolation draw that's drill. it yeah,
0: that's yeah
1: it. because, yeah, then, because then, it's, then
0: you should stick around for the uh, it, it's more of a fa- uh, sort of a community or club environment there right so if you and I were on the yes. same team and uh, I lost and you were still winning in the tournament, yeah, I would be yeah. expected to uh, stick around to support you, right?
1: Yes, there's a chanting, this This oh, the oh, thing. You know thing. what,
0: uh, Sean, I, I, I do remember actually, you, you jogged my memory the last time when you, we were talking about, um, earlier when we were talk, uh, talking about the match, uh, my last match and you were there uh, when I played in the final against your- your pre- teammates. I remember you chanting in, in the audience.
1: You you beat him. <laughs> actually, yeah, actually, in, in fact, he, uh,
0: you were in the gallery chanting.
1: Yeah, I think it's he's he's on my side, and actually, she won the masters event, I think the same year. Okay. The, the national Masters thing, and then you beat him, Jerry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember he was a really nice guy. He had the glasses. Um, yeah. I think he was, uh, I forget his name. What was his name? Uh,
1: Jae-Chun Kim.
0: Jae-Chun Kim. Yeah, he was a really yeah, very good
1: player. Good player. As
0: well. He was a good player. He had a nice game. Yeah, he
1: was really uh, good. Very,
0: yeah. Now, I had one, one more thing before we uh, sign off today. Uh, now, I wanted, mm-hmm. we, we talked a little bit earlier about, uh, you know, what you do. You're, you're a coach at the uh, University of Toronto, assistant coach at the, the varsity team there. And uh, one of the things uh, that strikes me about Korean junior players, they seem to do pretty well in the junior events overseas. You've got some good, talented young players. And uh, there's always that opportunity for them to get, you know, a scholarship or a part scholarship to uh, prestigious or, you know, very good schools in America. That's a big thing. And one, you know, when I have had uh, coaches on, they always say how, dynamic the makeup of their team is like it's such a multi-culture like there was i think it was paul Asiante was saying he had to know 11 different languages Mm. because because all 11 players were from a different country Uh, uh,
1: yeah yeah
0: it's on his team so and and i think there probably was a korean american or expat uh, korean on the team but you know those are the privileged koreans who you know get the opportunity to go to uh, prep schools or you know who actually uh, families move to Korea. But what about uh, in Korea? Is there any uh, sort of initiative or awareness on behalf of the Korean Federation in terms of the opportunities that are those opportunities that are available to them?
1: Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's available. So actually, uh, I know one junior, uh, really competitive junior out of a lot of juniors there. Yeah, he tried try to apply for the U.S. colleges so I think the SAT or language barrier was really a bit tough for him yeah. to go through. So I saw some Korean names at CSA, yeah. so in you know, yeah, U.S. thing. America, but I think they are. They usually yeah, they, have I think first names though. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <Don> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think Don they o. are all. Yeah, yeah. It's like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think they are all experts. I think, and I don't know how good they are because. Juniors in Korea, they are really uh, competitive. They oh, are yeah. they have really good records really from
0: in the World Junior events. They
1: do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They, they participate and, in the World Juniors too. Yes, but every name I see from CSA, I think they are all expats, and they don't play at higher rank. So actually, one guy played for Brown, and yeah. he came back to Korea, and then he won Korean University Championships. So oh. Okay. Yeah, one guy is there, but it's not many. Just him. Right. And Do you, know, uh, Bern, Bernie uh, I know.
0: <laughs> you know Bernie? Bernie Cho? Oh, I don't know. You do Bernie? Cho used to uh, he played for Brown way way back, mm-hmm. but he was he went uh, from Brown after he graduated. I think he got a job as a you know MTV, right?
1: Yeah.
0: MTV. He was a VJ on MTV. Ah. Oh. Now he, he does all that kind of he's into the underground music scene in, in South mm-hmm. and stuff and stuff like that. But he played for Brown. Yeah, uh-huh. he's, he's obviously grew up in America, but he's, uh, he's English he's fluent. Uh, English. Oh, yeah. Sure. But uh, anyways, yeah. the, the But it, is that something that maybe the, the do you think the Korean Federation should maybe consider that like what I was thinking is maybe try to support these guys, these younger juniors uh, in terms of their English, right? Or in terms of uh, yeah. and the, the, the extra stuff that they might need in order to um, take advantage maybe uh, of those opportunities.
1: Yeah, it should be good if they can support the up and coming juniors, but mm-hmm. I don't think they have enough budget yeah. to do it. So uh, coming back to Korea, I've seen two cases now. But from a finished his high school or secondary school in Korea and apply for U.S. college, they have to take SAT, their university entrance exam. And another thing is a language barrier. Yeah. Korea doesn't speak English, so there might be really a big challenge for them. Yeah.
0: So I, I never be, s- Maybe the best, uh, uh, just, I'm just thinking myself now, maybe uh, the best opportunity would be to do get them into like a prep school or, or a private, you know, a school that, that has a hot, like a high school squash program. Yeah. So at a younger, yeah. and then they can develop their language skills and also their awareness of uh, SAT, what they have to do for that.
1: Yeah. So not in the U S but I know some juniors, they are training in Malaysia because Malaysia is relatively strong mm-hmm. and good country for squash in Asia. So some juniors are training in Malaysia and they went to prep school and high school as well. So okay. I don't know, yeah, so one of them yeah. is uh, aiming to go to uh, uh, a university in the US. And he, she's a member of the national team junior in Korea. Okay. I think she's uh, under 17 now, but when she, once she gets to grade like 12, I think she's gonna apply for the university. And then if she does it, if she, if she makes it, She's going to be the first one to go through the U.S. college in Korean history. Well, that,
0: that, makes, uh, that makes sense. Like to go to Malaysia, they've got a great, uh, even Hong Kong. I'm not sure what relationship Korean squash has with Hong Kong. Or, with oh, they're
1: close. They're close. They're close.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that, that would also be, uh, I, guess, I guess going to an English-speaking school in Hong Kong would cost a bit more money than, than in uh, Malaysia.
1: Mm, yeah, I think so. And housing as well, they are very yeah. really expensive.
0: Very expensive in Hong Kong. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, I heard it. It's really expensive. Yeah. Oh, another thing is for club level, I, I forgot to tell you that. Uh, this is really a interesting story for uh, your listeners oh, outside sure. Korea. Korea. Oh, we, yeah. we, so,
0: we love the interesting stories. Yeah.
1: yeah, so if you play squash at club level, you have to book a court with your, with your playmate, right? Right. But in Korea, there's no booking system. When you're in Korea, right? There's no booking system, right? You just show up and play and show something, up. right? Yeah. yeah, so there's no booking system. Uh, I think only two clubs in Korea has have booking system. Otherwise, just show up. So what's happening now is just show up. When you get to the club, and you're going to put your racket behind the court, and then there, there should be already five or six rockets Oh, and you line up. Okay. This so is, you put your rocket
0: like, it's like what you do when you go to the the uh, the pub and you want to play pool.
1: Oh yeah yeah right exactly yeah, yeah. to line up. Yeah. <laughs> so put your, yeah. put your rocket behind the court and yeah. then you go to change and come back and then the line is going to be like two or three rockets all or head, head over you and yeah. then you can play each other. But so there's one how long drum
0: get, how long can you play uh when, once you get on court.
1: It depends on the club where you play. So some clubs, they play one game up to 15. Some clubs, they play best of three up to 11. Some clubs up to 15. Winner stays, loser comes out.
0: Okay. So, I like that. That's That's good. But then if you get one guy who's just extremely good and much better than everyone else and I mean, oh yeah that
1: that that happens, that can that happens. happens. Mm-hmm. He kiss, yeah he say everything so so because of that <laughs> there are a lot of drama is going on so everybody knows oh this rocket for this guy everybody knows whose rocket is whose. so <laughs> right. for instance i'm using i'm using harrow Then oh the harrow rocket with yellow with that shot i want to play him so they swap the rocket position and then if you get caught <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs>
1: they are you, not too yeah, to. yeah they are is yeah, there
0: a the drama and some suspension.
1: No, this is no suspension. They are they, <laughs> they they are not too shy to express their feeling. They're really straightforward. Okay. So oh come on, why did you switch your rocket order? and Then <laughs> the drama is going on. Okay. <laughs> so is, is thing is, of,
0: does that happen a lot? Like the switching of the rocket? <laughs> uh, I'm not
1: I'm not sh- not sure how frequent it is, but that happens. Not mm-hmm. rare, that happens. And all the thing is Everybody's waiting for the, for the match. So they are, they ref the, the previous match. So if I'm the wow. next person to get to the court, I'm rapping so, oh,
0: so, so the referee of the previous match will play in the in the subsequent match.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh. So, hmm. so one thing is if you're texting or doing something on your phone, and at the same time, if something happens on the court, they're going to look back to see a referee. I was not watching the thing, I was texting and they yell at you. Oh, come on, what are you doing? Your job is up my match.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, no, exactly. yeah. So yeah. Another you drama. Respect, you have to respect the process, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, you got Yeah, there's yeah. another drama is coming up. So, but one good thing for Korean squash in club level is this is really biggest difference from ever, everywhere else. When you get a membership, uh, you got to get a beginner's clinic. I see. Automatically. So the lesson comes with the membership. You don't have to pay or you don't have to register separately. So whenever you get a membership, you're going to be enrolled in a beginner's clinic automatically without paying extra, which is huge for squash community. So you're going to learn how to swing forehand, backhand for a couple of months or three months. It depends. Right. So that's going to be a huge, of.
0: Before you can actually join the club night, like where you come and put your racket on, uh, behind the court, you have to go through the lessons. First, yes. And then once you get, yeah. the, uh, once the coach says you're ready, then you can. Yes,
1: exactly. Oh, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all those coach pros up easy and night. So because sort of of a, that lesson comes Like, from...
0: golf. like uh, if you join a golf club and you're a beginner, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of what they do. Uh, rather than you going out on the course and slowing everyone down because you can't hit the ball. Um, oh yeah. you have to yeah. Take lessons and demonstrate that you can actually play and you know the rules, and then once the club pro says you're ready, then you can mm-hmm. join. The,
1: that is exactly can, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly that system. So uh, first of all, it's a safety. So if you don't know how to swing, and then if this guy goes to the game court right away without knowing nothing, and he he may have really large big swing and he may hit somebody else. Really? So it's, it's dangerous. So they, that's the policy. If you get a membership, if you're a novice or beginners, you just go to the lesson court and get some lessons. And then you can go to play a game to next school. They may take two or three months, but you don't have to pay extra because that comes with your membership. I see. And the membership yeah, then membership B-wise, it varies from the club, but in general, that is around $80 to 100 or if it's a fancy club, it's $1,200, yeah, 120 ish 120 But it depends. It's relatively expensive in Canada, but less comes with it. So overall, that pays off.
0: Right. There's some really nice clubs in Seoul um, that I've played at. I mean, some really fancy ones, but also some, some clubs where they have uh, – like inside the club, they've got the Korean uh, bathhouse as well. Like the Jim, mm-hmm. Jil, Jim Jilbong and, and the...
1: Oh, and yeah, Jim <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Oh, um, yeah, it's uh, so... so. I, a club.
0: Yeah. I think you meant you... Uh, w- one of the clubs you mentioned earlier uh, had that Jim Jilbong, or... or uh, this is like a Korean bathhouse. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. right. Really, yeah. really amazing. Uh, like, so after when you finish playing... Obviously, you you know at the highest levels, the high the best athletes in the world they go to the cold tub, then they go to the mm-hmm. hot tub. Yeah. And they have those facilities. But so do some of these uh, Korean clubs.
1: Yeah, that club was really nice, but sadly the club is gone. So what was the, the name club of the club? Was uh, so, so Leisure? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, but, but there yeah, are a couple. That, ones, cool. There were a couple. Yeah. Ones. Yeah, they've renovated into something else, yoga or exercise or something, right. because are, their real estate is really expensive in Seoul. Yeah. So if you imagine two guys are playing squash for forty minutes in that area, for if you put running machines or free weight in the same area, you're gonna get more members. So right. all the club owners they choose the second option, right? Sadly, but if you go to uh, the countryside, not in Seoul. You're gonna mm. see, uh, you're gonna, yeah. They built up really fancy clubs, fancy coat, uh, Chungcheongdo or Gyeongsangdo that area.
0: Nonsense. They,
1: yeah, they're really new, mm. and they have, a, the uh, the quality of the code is really super nice. Wow. Because they're, they're they're cheaper than Seoul.
0: Okay, well, I'm looking forward to uh, my next visit to uh, to Korea.
1: Yeah, yeah, same here. I wanna go. I wanna visit Korea too, but the COVID thing doesn't let me. <laughs>
0: No. When was the last time you were in Korea?
1: Oh, uh, I mean, I've been there every year to play a national festival. Oh, oh too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So, so I got, I got you have an
0: obligation uh, uh, to the, to your province or to your Oh, uh,
1: like, I didn't have any obligation because I didn't get any salary or something. <laughs> right, right. <But> still, still <laughs> I mean,
0: maybe a personal obligation. Like you, you feel yeah, Exactly
1: yeah for yeah. my self-esteem <laughs> yeah
0: for your self-esteem and also just to be with your friends uh, from back home i
1: yeah, know exactly I really
0: yeah i miss uh i miss playing in the competitions back in canada so hopefully mm-hmm. one of you- yeah. yeah so uh, uh well sean uh, you you've been really uh, it's been fantastic uh, talking to you and you've been indulging me and you know i had such a wonderful such wonderful years in korea and you helped to relive those memories for me but more importantly uh, you gave us some background on uh, a wonderful uh, squash nation, Korea. Very passionate about the game, everybody that plays there. And you're one of those uh, uh, great players that's been produced by their, their squash program. So uh, really appreciate you coming on. And I'd love to uh, to have you on again uh, next year. Maybe we can revisit this and talk more about Korean
1: squash. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jerry.
0: Well, that was a fantastic look back and fantastic uh, explanation by Sean of Squash in uh, South Korea. Uh, They've got a lot of promise there. They've got a a very good uh, junior program, and they play in most of the, or many of the, uh, European junior events, even in the U.S., and I think there's a lot of food for thought there uh, in terms of uh, how they can perhaps maybe develop, and uh, the the approach that they, they take is quite unique, and it seems to be worth working to a certain degree, so we'd like to see, uh, I'd really, really like to see them make uh, inroads further uh, into the top uh, 100 in terms of their their pro players. They're they're all extremely fit, fast, talented, they understand the game, so I think they just need quite a bit uh, more uh, world level experience exposure uh get out there and uh, maybe you know spend some time a few of their players they the top players over the years as i mentioned uh ann chan uh, one of their top female players who managed to win a few uh, smaller events i think in australia and do quite well uh, she, in other events uh, she spent a fair bit of time in um in Australia, I think, spent the uh, extended periods there. And I think uh, perhaps that's what uh, other players need to do and maybe how the, uh, just my opinion, how uh, maybe the association could uh, uh, develop their own players a little bit more that way. Uh, but also they've got an extremely impressive uh, infrastructure in uh, South Korea. If you ever get the opportunity to spend uh, or to visit Seoul and you play squash obviously Uh, you know give me a a shout out and I'll point you in the right direction because they have some incredible uh, facilities over there across the country not just in Seoul but around the country and it's really quite impressive So, and I just want to again thank uh, Sean for his time and for for speaking to so many of the things and indulging me on uh, my time that I spent there, Uh, that little story about my final tournament where I played uh, his uh, teammate in the final Uh, I didn't realize he was in the audience but I do in the uh, gallery but I do recall the gallery being quite uh, uh, boisterous and and crazy every time uh, his uh, every time the good man on his team uh, had one point when he won that uh, third game uh, it it was pretty exciting and fortunately I managed to get back on court and finish it off but uh, Sean thank you so much for that and uh, everyone thank you for listening Uh, we've got uh, some really good ones coming up oh and um, you know my favorite player on the female tour Uh, I think I've talked about it several times if you've listened to the podcast you know who I'm talking about well uh, managed to land it I think and uh, hopefully next week we'll have that one and also uh, with any luck chris walker will be on the podcast in a few days so uh looking forward to that so stay tuned for those please uh, share these on your social media give us a like a tweet uh, rank or whatever they do star five stars four stars uh and shoot me a message every now and then please share this with your uh, squash community and uh most importantly i hope you're enjoying your squash and you and your families are healthy and and well uh i'll be playing a you know, I've been playing twice a week these days, uh, been busy with work, but I'd like you know, that that's pretty good for me at this point in my squash career. I've toned it down a little bit, but twice a week and feeling great on court, enjoying my squash. So I hope you are too. Take good care and uh, stay tuned for the upcoming episodes, uh, over the next little while. Have a good one. Goodbye now.